When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's Tuesday night. We're in the Gladstone Arms. We know what this is, don't you, Peter? It's another episode of the Brighton Rock Podcast. Episode 155. How are you doing? Woo! Woohoo! <laughs> Our big audience are like cheering and weeping now. It's, uh... it's just us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Welcome to the latest episode, guys. I hope you're enjoying uh, the previous back catalogue of our delights, talking through the not particularly busy transfer window so far this summer. More on that coming up in a minute. First of all, though, the headlines. We've got Ben White over the line. He is now an Arsenal player, finally, after all the shenanigans. Um, Adam Webb's decided a new five-year deal. Kukuria may still be on the cards. And it's in the Olympic final. Yeah, and the Albion are having their f- uh, somebody wag their fingers at them over intermediary alleged breaches. More on that to follow. Sounds um, unpleasant. <laughs> it's Tuesday. How are you doing, Peter? Good, Good yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm uh, surviving, you know, out of isolation now. I was uh, mm. isolated until Friday night. So yeah. uh, We were hoping last week that we'd have some signings to announce, and we haven't got any yet. No. The season starts in... What, 12 it's getting slightly like slightly concerning now, to be honest. It's like kind of I feel that we've missed out obviously on Livermento. We found out yesterday. Yes, and yeah. we're slightly short in defence, and we're slightly when we haven't got the extra quality we needed up front, and and we've got a few players missing as well. So it's not looking great. I'd say I feel it's like it feels like we're not very well prepared for the season. Yeah, I would just just to touch on that. Livermento's gone to Saints. By all accounts, it sounds as if Chelsea probably with their fingers burnt from the Lamptey deal have decided their next young buck to go out, who's not ready for Chelsea, um, is only going to be subject to a buyback clause, um, which effectively means it's a loan where if he's decent, they'll grab him back for a reasonable fee. And if he's not decent, you can have him. doesn't sound like our kind of loan. Tony, no, agree to me. it depends on the fee, because I heard various reports of a 25 million and 40 million or whatever. If it's mm. 40 million, then frankly, we should have taken it if it's 5 million. Because, mm. I mean, he's no guarantee when I go back to Chelsea anyway, because obviously he decided to leave. They didn't want to lose him. And if, even if he did, we've made, made a, a, you know, a kind of eight times profit on him. Mm. If it's 25 million, I can kind of see when you look at what Ben White did and then, you know, for... 
he was you know, one Premier League season and he was worth 50 million so if yeah. this guy had a, a whole season so, so the deal would have been 5 mil would it then? apparently yeah that's oh, what right. Saints apparently paid 25 mil then would still be yeah although then if you look at what Ben White did and how he went to yeah. Yeah, one season Premier League and he made we, we went for 50 million then I can see why the club were a bit hesitant in that sense because you don't really have any control yeah fish in the sea and everything yeah. you know there are other deals which may have an even better incremental benefit yeah. Than they, yeah, but yeah but, but if it's 40 I really don't, I'm struggling to see I mean we've sold a player just for 50 million before that we hadn't sold anyone for more than 10 so yeah. if we turned it down for a 40 million buyback clause then I think we've made a big mistake there yeah. frankly so yeah well who knows we, we, we don't have any insight in that so we no. can't really say but it does sound what do you mean I was, I was listening in on all calls <laughs> <laughs> you, you've been bugging the yeah, out of you obviously you know yeah um, both, both in terms of putting like, a tap on their phone <laughs> and in terms of annoying them as well yeah <laughs> we're speaking of Lamptey obviously you know he there's there's rumours he may not be back till sometime around the September October mark similarly well back as yeah, well yeah two now. massive blows two big blows we were relying Part of the white thing was we were relying on Lamptey coming back yeah. at least to start so with. And yeah. yeah. And now, of course, Dan Byrne has been injured in the latest friendly against Luton, which we'll mention a bit more about later on. I know you know, you're, you're grinning there sarcastically, Peter. I know Byrne, Byrne isn't you know isn't the first choice really. And I, I know I meant more just like we seem to have a very lot of bad luck at the moment with defenders. Oh yes, well yeah. So no, I'm I'm a big fan new. of Dan Byrne. I think and I think centre back is his best. Drop, yeah, he's a perfectly good centre back. When he's, when he's left one-on-one with a very quick winger as a left-back, yeah. it's not, it doesn't work. No. I mean, Traore and uh, was it just James Justin for, Le- for Leicester destroyed oh, cool, yeah. by him as well. But yeah. when he's when he's given his role in a three-man defence or as a left wing-back, he does a good job. And I, yeah. He has struck it's more fear. that yeah, I, I'm concerned about who the hell's going to play in our defence against uh, Burnley. Well, he struck fear into the heart of Manchester City, of course, with his, uh, his salubrious <laughs> and a very stylish winner. Uh, <laughs> yes, uh, it was a very Dan Byrne goal. Everything Were you about... at that game, Russ? Oh, I was actually. Yeah, thanks for asking. <laughs> I promised not to mention this, but you started it this time. Um, yes, I was at the game. But no, I mean Dan Byrne is one of those players who, yes, he's done very well for us. I think Grand Potter's got the best out of him. But you can't help thinking at every single moment you're watching him play that this isn't really a player for the future of the Premier League he, yeah he's, he, he's, he's he's not a first choice and if you go into the season to, with him as first choice then you're yeah, probably not he, he's one of the people to replace even squad wise in, yeah. in, in the medium term or short term isn't he yeah I mean considering he cost three and a half million and from I mean never really played in the Premier League I mean Poss has done an amazing job yeah, with him really he's, he's been valued yeah. hasn't he basically I mean obviously <laughs> one of his high points being yeah. that header across brilliant header across for the uh the winner at Liverpool. Yeah. Just, uh, <laughs> yes. Indeed. He did every single inch of his six foot yeah, seven. I mean, there's one or two. Th- I mean, he had one volley on the on the turn, of, not on the turn, on the run. I can't remember who it was against. And you, you think he's got this this sort of like, the potential to suddenly do something spectacular. And he's surprisingly quick when he gets going as well. Mm. That marauding run when it went for that winner against Everton that he set up Trossard then yeah. to cross for the own goal yeah. when Everton scored the own yeah. goal where we won the last minute two he's years so ago. He's so tall and lean, isn't he? Yeah. he? He looks like he's actually skating on ice rather than running on a pitch, doesn't he? Yeah. Have you had that impression as well? Um, I mean, we love him. We love Dan Byrne. But yeah, I mean, one way or the other. Yeah, he's not He's not someone... He's someone I regard as quite a decent option eventually. He can stay in a few positions yeah. and have a cover. He's not someone I really yeah. think we should be going to the season as first choice. And at the moment, with Lamptey out, we probably are going in with him uh, with, as with the, first choice with the magical mystery world that is Albion's uh, injury scenarios you, you never know what's going on we, we don't really know what the injury is it's a leg injury yeah. we don't know particularly and we don't know how long it'll be and we don't know to what degree we would want to be looking to replace him are we Are we thinking we can cope with it for a month or 
two weeks. And then, yeah, uh, the big worry I have, actually, I mean, if we had a really tough start, I'd be a bit less concerned. But at the moment, our, our first six, seven games are, are all, barring, I think, Leicester home for the toughest, are all winnable games. We've mm. got, you know, Burnley away, Watford home, Everton home, uh, Brentford away, Leicester home, Palace away. Yeah. That's a pretty, pretty. I mean, for us, a pretty relaxed. I'm not saying that any of those teams won't be saying that we're a winnable game as well. I'm not like being arrogant, but when you compare it to some of the starts we've had, when we played like City and Leicester in the first two games of the first season, and yeah, and we've had other tough starts as well, haven't we? We've a Man U early on, Liverpool early on. It's it's a much more more favourable start to the season than we've had before. And if we don't get many points from there because we've got a real injury problem list list or whatever, then we could be in real trouble. There's two prongs to it, isn't there? First of all, if you haven't got You've got players that are injured, players that are struggling to get back to match sharpness for whatever reason. You maybe haven't settled your squad, so there might be people unsettled that might be about to be sold or people you haven't brought in yet. So you want to have the benefit of the strongest squad scenario at the beginning of the season. As you said, if you've got a tough run of early games, it doesn't matter so much. The the flip side of that is, of course, um, you you could want to catch the better teams cold early on in Mm. the season. There is that too. But when all said and done, yeah, the bread and butter games... Your Burnleys, your Brentfords, your Palaces, those are the games we've got to be looking to win and we've got them coming up early on and if you've got even your backups like Dan Byrne getting injured and you've got Duffy playing quite a bit of game time, I think we'll all be quite honest here and say that I don't think anybody's thinking Duffy is any kind of... You know, it's, it, there's not going to be a story here, is there, when he comes back in, apart from in a makeshift role. He, do, he doesn't thing. suit the, the possible way of playing, really. That's the thing. No. It's like, in the way we played under, under Hewton, it was perfectly fine and... If Hewton was still here, he'd probably still be playing and being regular as well. Mm. But because, yeah, because he's because Hewton left and because we moved, we had a team who played further forward, who tried to play the ball out the back more. Yeah. It, it left Duffy more exposed, and we've seen on a few occasions that he's not the sort of player. He, I think he gave it away quite a few times for goals when, when asked to yeah. pass it, or whatever. So yeah, and also the thing is that I mean, it's not just about uh, things like Ben White leaving and uh, obviously Lamptey being injured, uh, but it's also about. Other matters such as, obviously, Matt Clark's gone on loan. Ostergaard might be an option. But um, we've also got the fact that, Don, that, that Lewis Dunk has had a toe injury yeah. and he's had surgery on that. And he is kind of coming back into the equation. But he's maybe not going to be up to full strength by the beginning of the season. Well, yeah, and Webster as well has been out, so for whatever well, reason. Although, so he might be back at the weekend for the Contafe yeah. go. But... Nonetheless, he's not going to be that much sharp, is yeah. he? With one game under his belt. Which worries me. I, mean, I hope they have a, a midweek friendly that they've not talked about behind closed yeah. doors. Because they probably will. Because I've been quite concerned they've only had three friendlies, really. It seems yeah. really no number. Yes, indeed, yeah. And, um, I mean, that's so that's that. So the Ben White deal's done. Let's talk about that. So, in the end, from what I understand, this is how it went. Um, Arsenal approached Albion. Albion said, right, we're, we're not going to settle for anything less than £50 million. Arsenal then bid a figure below that. I doubt they even said anything less than fifty million. I doubt they. Yeah, yeah. I, I doubt. Not, I doubt yeah. we even said a figure. We don't want to sell. But the legend has it that we we said that they, they bid. We said no. They bid. We said no. Four times they bid below fifty. We said no. Yeah. Then they bid fifty. Went. Yep. Now we've got. Yeah. Wanted, but so I doubt they'd have shown their cards that. Uh, Possibly not. Not, no. not, well, not like, like that. I imagine he. I imagine he sat there and said, "I'm not selling," at that, and or give us an offer and see what you want to do, sort of thing, and then. He, until they got to 50 million he said no and then yeah, yeah maybe maybe I do like to think that he did play that hardball with them though so this is what oh, I'm sure we hit, yeah. we, they hit our valuation he's Daniel Levy it, with yeah. steroids isn't he yeah. I, I'm so. sure they hit our valuation it's more that yeah. I don't think he necessarily told Arsenal their valu- our valuation straight away yeah. I think he, he kept our valuation quiet because they might have then gone jump to 60 million instead yeah true 
Um, I do. I, yeah, well, maybe. Yeah, I, I do think that um, we we said it before, but I, I think it's a good deal all round. It's obviously brilliant money for the Albion. When all said and done, he was a Saints graduate. We we got him at sixteen. We had him for seven years, but he was on loan for obviously for three of those. He made his debut quite a long time ago. I saw him play in the under 18s at Enfield, my local area, uh, which of course is where Tottenham's mm. training ground is, the new training grounds. And I saw the Albion demolish them 5-1 in that game. Ben White was playing. I was raving about Jordan Maguire Drew at the time, who scored an absolutely brilliant goal and was sensational. I was impressed with Ben White and about you four or five others. probably don't look at defenders so much in a game exactly. like that because you don't, yeah. you're not defending he so much. He was solid and that, I didn't think any more than that. Yeah. Really. Um, but you know, I've seen him a few times and he's always impressed. I've literally only seen him once and that was at Oxford in a League Cup game. Yeah, which is, that, I mean, which was a game that was like notable for two things now because Ben White played for Albion and Elvis Mann who scored. Yes, and yeah. What more could you want from a game? Yeah, we, we did the po- I did the podcast and I had Simon along with me, Simon uh, Tipple, who's been on the show before, and we were at Enfield, they were playing Boreham Wood, and we, Simon mentioned that Jason Malumbi scored a goal when the Albion played a friendly at Enfield, which was a very convenient, <laughs> convenient arrangement for me, just mm-hmm. stroll up the road, 40-minute walk from my house. Um, but... Um, I think Ben White might have been playing in that game as well. I can't quite remember. There's not much information to look up really on that matter. You mean it's not like reported on, on online? And yes, stuff. it's not. It's not down on everyone's top five games of all time, that sort of thing. Uh, but you know, he, I've, some people have seen him a handful of times, and mainly in the youth. I saw him at that Man City game. I won't mention it again. I promise. But there is a lot of Albion fans who have not seen him at all. Yeah, and. For us to have had a player only from the age of 16, we've had him for seven years, he went on loan for three of those years, and for us to make effectively a 50 million profit minus whatever the costs are of his proportion of you know, development costs season by season along with all the others, is a bloody good bit of business what, by anyone's reckoning. I mean, it, it, it's unquestionably. I mean, I think the one question mark I have is it's only good business if we spend it correctly. I mean... Tottenham got 90 million for Bale and it was a really yes, good deal yeah. and they spent it on absolute crap they signed, it, so signed about they signed Lamella who's the only one who's any good and it, oh Ericsson was good obviously and, good, yeah. and Lamella and, that's, and that was it the Soldado was like 30 million pounds did absolutely nothing for them so it's only good money if you de- then go and actually get some decent players they got in about them. 10 number 10s I mean the whole, the, there was no trans- there's no transfer strategy there yeah. at all was there yeah. and I'm sure we're not going to do that we in that sense but if we sign four Lacardias for it or three Lacardias, then it won't be good business. If you, you if know, we sign uh, one Lacardia, it won't be good business. <laughs> no offence if you're listening. You're well, no, it depends what you spend the other like thirty well, six yeah, million yeah, on or whatever. If, we, if you buy one Lacardia and then about you know ten Lamptys, it's probably good business. Oh, Lacardia at three or four year ago value, transfer yeah. value, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, and then, yeah. And then about ten Lamptys, yeah. I mean, then that would be pretty good value. You're going to have some duds. Well, the point is you yeah. don't want to be riddled with duds. Yeah. Per, Per window. It sounds unpleasant, doesn't it? Riddled with dots. I think we've I mean, got the, the episode. It, it looks like our one main signing this summer is looking really good already. He scored a goal at Luton and is. 10 million quid. That already looks like it has the potential. Yeah, it varies behind. across the board. Everyone was, some people say it was our record transfer. Some were saying it's like 13 or 10 or whatever. Yeah. So it's, who knows how much he costs? Yeah. Yeah, who knows? But but either way, he looks like he's actually going to be a. But it's interesting if I mean if I'd known Basuma was probably going to stay, which it looks like he. Well, I mean at the moment there's no rumours around about him. Um, I would have said mid-century field was one of our least needed areas to, to improve. Interestingly, yeah. With the, I, with the players we have, Basuma, Lalana can play there. Grosh can play there. Moda, Elzate, Casado. If we need if we need someone as well, yeah. you know, I would have said that that possibly was the least 
area we need to I think two, two, two things on that. I mean, first of all, I do think um, part of it might have been a assumption that Basuma might have ended up leaving yeah. until the, the white interest And it does, grew, it does allow us to have cover next year when he probably yeah. does as well yeah, if he has exactly, another season yeah. like he's had Because it's going to be one big sale yeah. per year, isn't it? And it'll probably be Lamptey the year after um, once he's sorted his hamstrings. Sanchez. <laughs> Sanchez could be, actually, yeah. But that's one point. The other point is that um, um, much as um, we've got a good midfield, I think when you when you build on an already strong position, you build from a position of strength yeah, rather than a position I, of I'm not. I don't disagree with that. And I think that we can also, with with that, move Lalana further forward, which I think yeah. is a good thing because it's I think easy. actually he'll be more effective in the front three mm. than he would be. And he, we want it. We don't really want him. It's like nice having him playing, playing passes from the halfway line, but it'd be even better than playing intricate passes like he does yeah. in and around the area and that sort of thing. Because we haven't, when all said and done, I don't think he's done that badly, but I do think we haven't seen the best of Morpay. He hasn't had the, the best brought out of him and I do think with Lalana further forward an experienced yeah. player playing closely to him linking up with him dialogue yeah. and everything else in game that goes on I think that could benefit well it looks like they'll probably start both of them in the front three at, yeah. at Burnley will, will yeah. Trossard be available by then I mean he's obviously still for whatever reason Another not played a friendly yeah, not been playing Stephen Elzate I think was one of well, we mentioned Lalana he had Covid apparently I think it seems to be a lot of people saying that Stephen Elzate may have had Covid possibly even long Covid which might have explained yeah, which will explain why he was a shadow of the player he was in the first the season shadow, yeah. uh, but he's been looking sharp apparently in the, in the friendlies I've, to be honest I've not seen any of it I've seen a couple no, of goals no I, I um, saw the goals yeah, yeah. but um, fair play if he's looking good great if Mwepo's yeah. looking great that's a brilliant thing for him so early on the word I've heard from Wepo is that he's taller than people thought and he's, he also has a swagger and a confidence about him already uh, he's really just settling in it's surprising away, really because no, there's not really been any good players come from Salzburg in recent years no one really has uh, made it having started off there has they it's like well I've heard that club gives you wings along <laughs> with uh, a couple of other clubs we can mention yeah but I mean I've not heard of any players right? I've started at Red Bull Salzburg and uh, have you heard anyone who's like, made a career for themselves or looked decent one or two wasn't there I can't remember who they are now. some bloke called Harlan that I'd never heard of or? no it doesn't ring a bell so yeah. old blubberface yes the guy looks like a dolphin with blonde hair <laughs> <laughs> yeah anyway. so, so, so they've got quite yeah. a good track record so I'm willing mm. to uh Bet. And also, interestingly, he's not the only Zambian to sign from Red Bull Salzburg to Premier League this summer, which Ooh. is... Who's the other one, Peter? Patson da- Daka, I think his name is, who's signed for Leicester. Oh, yeah, 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 that's right, yeah. They, he, they're, both, looks... they're both Zambian and both from Red Bull Salzburg on the Premier League clubs. I mean, Leicester so... have got a rec- good recruitment policy. I'm assuming yeah. that's a good signing. I'm yeah. just assuming it's this. But they're pretty good striker options, haven't they? So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, any striker that adds to Ian Atcho, who had a brilliant season last year in Vardy, must be pretty decent. Yeah. Uh, in terms of they must have pretty decent quality they've got they're the opposite of us they, their scouts are like brilliant at hunting our strikers <laughs> well in terms of Albion contracts for players going forward firstly we mentioned at the top of the show Webster signed a new five year deal he was contracted till 2023 so it's basically a two year extension um, no, three year three year extension yeah. sorry yeah um, yeah he's a good player he's, he was one of Potter's first signings he said he was happy with him from the start he's still happy with him obviously he is um, and uh, it's good that we firmed him up I think and I think Dunk will stay with us for, for the duration as well that's good news yeah great news I think he's, he's a you know, I mean having lost White it was important to get our other probably key to and a half incentive like Dunk's obviously in Asia probably where he's probably not going to get that big move if he came out of contract in probably three years time or something like that so He's probably going to be happy to sign anyway, but Webster was one in you know a couple of years to to you know we need to look at renewing. He's going a few to be... others as well, like Grosh. I think's next summer, which yeah. is someone we might. I yeah. wonder whether Grosh wants to wait and see what happens this this season and whether he drops out a bit and mm. 
you know, whether we strengthen a bit Plain and time. and a few with like McAllister who might move in, become more regular and that sort of thing. Who Grosh might just think that actually he's he'll have done five years there, maybe he tries to get move back to Germany after that because he's not first team regular. Yeah. I don't know, but then I thought that halfway through last season, and he became one of our key players second half of the season yeah. again. So every time I write off Pascal Grosch and think uh, mm. he's he maybe not going to become, a, he's going to have a bit part player. He, mm. he has a brilliant run of form and yeah. and completely, you know, and in mid central midfield quite a lot of the time last season, which is not a position because of his, his pace. I would have or lack of pace that I would have thought he'd be any good at. No, that's right. Um, one other player we were linked with last summer, we've been linked with him again, Darwin Nunes. So his his price has doubled. He only scored six goals, I think, last season. Mm. Uh, Benfica, I don't think, are happy to lose him. But Benfica have just signed someone who I really thought we should look at. Um, Yeremchuk from mm. Ghent, the, one yes. of the Ukraine, Ukrainian yes. players. Yeah. He's one I really wish we'd looked at because he looked really good at the Euros, and I know it's a Euros, and, but he'd also had a really good couple of seasons for them, I think, as well. Yeah, I agree so, with you. Is that anticipation of Nunes leaving one way or the other anyway? I mean, I would love us to sign a player whose first name is Darwin. Uh, if nothing else, even uh, if he's crap, it would be brilliant to sign a player who's first name with Darwin. I mean, the evolution <laughs> of the puns that we'd have would just be endless, wouldn't it? You know, we, we would have to. Um, but I couldn't get any worse than that anyway. <laughs> yeah. We've already started to we need to go on as usual. Awful puns. What's the name of the ship? Is it Endeavour? Uh, was it? Was it? I was hoping to factor in a Endeavour into a sentence, but I don't think it was. I know it's um, the Beagle. Beagle. Oh, yeah, that's the there, Beagle. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I'll throw in. We're dogged by injuries now, then. <laughs> Oh, nice. I like it. Oh, dear. Give a dog a bone, eh? Anyway, right. So there we go. <laughs> Moving very poor, swiftly poor, on. Matt. I mean, Darwin's... You know, I don't know. I mean, I, I've got a hunch I might not like his attitude. Something a bit swaggersome about him. But then again, you've got... Would you like Ed Odson Edwards' attitude then? I mean, he's obviously... Celsius yeah. fans, he think he's down tools. Yeah. Although he's still involved, isn't he? I think yeah, but he doesn't playing. seem to be... So I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not completely convinced with either of them, I have to say given that there'll be a hefty fee involved and, you know, who knows what. But, um, yeah, I, I it's hard to know who we are. I mean, I still think we'll find, we'll, we will sign a striker because, frankly, it would be stupid not to. And The natives I, are getting restless already. Yeah, I and I, I, I think it might well be later in August when people have got less fewer options and I think it might be a player from Europe that no one's ever heard of, you know, to be honest, frankly. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, that's what I think with Livermento. Livermento was talked about like three weeks ago and we didn't sign him. And to my worry with Chicharella as well, we, d- we normally get things done quite quickly. And Wepu was in the news for like two days before we signed him. Veltman came out of nowhere. Lalana was, was talked about for a while, but Welbeck came quite late and was suddenly talked about last minute. You know, the, the signings we, we complete are generally from the blue. The two poles are both from out of the blue as well, you know. Yeah. We don't tend to complete signings where people have talked about us because a lot of the time people talk about us it's because the agent wants to get alternative offers. Exactly. And, and we don't do our business in public. And Livermento, yeah. I, I kind of knew that wasn't going to happen because it was dragging Three weeks since long. it was talked about. Kikori is a bit different because obviously he's in the Yeah, Olympics, it's a so bit it's, different, but yeah. it still seems like there's a lot of talk. Like One minute, Hatafe are talking about they've got replacement lined up. and Yeah, well, they've signed and, them, they? Uh, they actually signed them, have yeah, they? I think so. And, yeah. and, and, the, uh, and the next C- minute they're saying there's been no offer and, and the next and, or they're saying that he's happy to sign for an for a English club or... And it just feels like, again, there's someone, there's a Fletico in the background, there's other teams. Yeah. It's, it just feels like problem. somewhere we're going to get gazumped again because, yeah. and it's, I mean, it may, but, I mean, for all we know, we were interested originally and then moved on because we knew we were going to get gazumped. Yeah, maybe. And then, I mean, for, for all, all intents and purposes, Tony Boone's a brilliant negotiator yeah. and he sticks to his guns both in terms of keeping the wage cap down 
uh, and in terms of getting value for money on sales and acquisitions. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. It, I, we, we do miss out on a lot of things yeah. as a result. I, it's a balance, isn't it? But we've, yeah. we've done all right, really, considering that policy. It's just the striker, on. really. That's the one position we really struggle in. And I wonder if one or two players who, like Futurella, if I was him, I might be looking at going like, are you actually going to sign a striker this year? Because that's the difference. If I'd seen, yeah. if I had a look at what Brighton did last season, because I probably about will be a really set, no, not it'd be stupid not to. Well, I'd August, be like kind of, are you going to sign a striker? The August today, as we speak, we're recording this Tuesday, uh, has reported today to quote a senior figure at Getafe says that there are no offers on the table for Mark Cucurella. The former Barcelona player remains of interest to Albion as he prepares for the Olympic final with Spain. The Getafe sporting director Angel Martin said no do you like the accent by the way i was quite impressed with that says uh, that there is no bid in at the moment which is interesting why would we not bid so far mm. well i think what they're confused though is the fact that people don't bid on tables these days yeah they, they normally bid over zoom on that sort of thing yeah. so and try and gauge it initially and then speak to yeah. the player and then it's with permission and then, there are no tables yeah. involved at all so yeah. i mean yeah. we could have bid over zoom and that's just still be true though true. wouldn't it yeah well martin was asked about prized assets uh, including Kukurea, who, who helped Spain beat Japan in today's semi-final in Saitama, and Mauro Akambari. He said, they are players who have had good seasons, been at a high level. At this moment, we do not... And I've just lost it because my phone's done something weird. At this moment, we do not have any offer, either for Mark or Mauro. We want to keep the squad together. That means we're open to offers. Uh, Sp- Spain complete their Olympic programme on Saturday when they face Brazil in the final. Uh, and of course we meet Catafe in a friendly on Saturday yeah and they have absolutely no control over him anyway this is the thing about the the, I always find it interesting the phenomenon that Spain seem to have release clauses for all their players I mean for a lot of them they're obscenely ridiculous like £400 million for like top players and they will never get that but they just it covers them a bit but they have release clauses seemingly for all their players and for someone like Chicharella to have €18 million I think it is like that is quite low for Mm. You know, because it's actually a feasible amount, whereas normally it's like quite high. Yeah. So they have no control over this. If someone, if waited till the thirty first of August, that's what Arsenal did with Thomas Partey. They waited till about the end of August, didn't they, last year or whatever, it, whatever the the timing was. But it, this uncertainty really annoys me because I think it could be solved by going back to what we had before, which is like ending the the whole thing before the um, before the season starts. But of course, the problem was our season started at different times to Europe's the European yeah. seasons. So that meant it was like they didn't want to implement it. And I, I think what should happen is that they should have a, a European Premier like top leagues of Europe should have a kind of agreement they're going to start in the same week. Maybe with us starting a week later and then starting a week earlier or something like that. And then they all have to cut off their transfers, barring maybe loans to lower divisions, all top division transfers between teams in and out, permanent ones, have to stop at a certain point because it's ridiculous. We're going into a season, we haven't got our full squad. We might be losing, you know, someone like Duffy might go, someone like yeah. we don't know from here. Uh, well, you know, it could have been a week ago that White was still with us for that point. Yeah. You know, it, it's... I mean, fair play, you know, they're, they're, these are ex- extenuating circumstances. We've got the off, the, um, well, the offshoot of what's happened with COVID yeah. still happening. And We're the Euros and the Olympics the being at the same time as well yeah. has not helped. And the Olympics as well. Yeah. Yeah, by the way, the other half's Japanese. She thinks it's ridiculous that they're holding the Olympics in Japan in August. It's too hot for tennis players and footballers and people like that. It's just ridiculously hot. Um, but it's also pouring our rain at times yeah. as well. well. It will do. It will be a rainy season, but it's also 
my, my sister-in-law, who is obviously a Japanese indigenous, she's, she's saying it's so hot. If she keeps saying yeah. that, that's really hot. Well, Japan obviously <laughs> lost to a um, to Spain today, and they've got, although he didn't, it wasn't involved, they have a player, obviously also Albion have been linked with, although not as a kind of player we're going to sign for this so season. Spain beat Japan? Yeah, Spain oh. won on penalties against Japan. No, oh. Spain won an extra time against Japan, I think. Yeah. one nil. Yeah. And Brazil won on penalties against them on the other well, final. Speaking of hot countries, uh, uh, Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> um, the football season started already. It's just got underway at the weekend. Uh, Albion have interests, of course. As you know, we've struck up this affiliation with Hibs, so we've got players on loan to every other club. And they're about to sell their left back to a, another Hibs. Premier League yeah. club other than us. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> um, Who's that? Doig, his name is. Oh, Doig. Doig, yeah. But not that one. Not the striker that was at Forest Green. No, he's spelled D-O-I-G, yeah. Okay. yeah. But we've, we've got a couple on loan of, of note. Alex Cochran at Hart, Teddy Jenks at Aberdeen. And we played a friendly against Rangers. <laughs> and we played a friendly against Rangers, and we've loaned no one to him. Um, Teddy Jenks, Aberdeen. I, maybe, I, maybe after the Celtics loan signing from us last season, that one of the situations was Hibs couldn't take any loan signings from yeah, us. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, well, Sky cover um, the Scottish League, so Albion fans should check out that, really, because I think there'll be some games where you can have a look at them and see what you think. Teddy Jenks, Aberdeen, I didn't see that because they didn't cover Aberdeen in focus at the weekend. However, they did show... I'm not sure he's been playing, is he? Is he, is he might he, not be, no, I'm not sure. He, was, he came on in a Europa League game for like 40, 40 minutes of the second half, or something oh, like okay. that, but I'm not sure he's been starting. Fair enough. Alex Cochran did start, and, and by all accounts played very well. Yeah. For Hearts, they were happened to be playing the Champions. Um, no. No, no, they didn't play the Champions. They played the uh, the team Celt- that were Champions 10 previous- years in a row before that. <laughs> no. Celtic. You know, nine getting, years. You're going to get Rangers fans writing in. This is the sorry, whole point. Sorry, Rangers fans. Sorry, <laughs> it should have been ten years. This is probably more painful for Celtic fans, actually, isn't it? Um, yeah, Celtic won nine titles in a row. They didn't win last year. Rangers won. However, Celtic will be hoping to get back to winning ways. Uh, but they've it's not started, started very well. with a two-one defeat at home and get knocked out of the Champions League. Uh, exactly. Yeah, and they've got some developments on the way, which are going to be hindered by that too. Uh, so they have just signed signed McCarthy from Palace on a four-year contract, even though he's like thirty. Mm. Which is a random and Joe Hart, so that yeah. should fix all their problems. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, there we go. But Cochran started and played well. I saw the very brief highlights of it, and um, he set up the winner, didn't he? With a free free kick, wasn't it? Or something yeah, like that. That's right. And he, he he looked like he was playing quite well. It's very difficult to tell from yeah. very small bite sized highlights. But people that did see it in more detail said that uh, he played very well. Promising sign. He's quite a tall guy, actually, taller than I thought he was. Um, Sort of fair-haired, or he looks like fair-haired anyway. And um, yeah, we'll we'll keep an eye on that. Loan watch in general. There's a load of players out on loan. Ryan Longman at Hull is going to be interesting. Actually, yeah, it'd be really good because I mean he's one. If he does well there, then you hope that he might get get involved in the squad in a team next year or something. You know. Yeah. It's interesting that Taylor Richards had some minutes at the weekend, and Cadra's being rumoured as being involved in the squad this year properly, rather than. I mean, it did, I mean they weren't sending him out alone in January. That's with they, the album, by the way. Yeah, with us, the, yeah, the and it's not with Hulls. Yeah. <laughs> he was, um, yeah. he was rumoured. He was, they obviously came on against Man City, was involved in the squad, and they didn't loan him out straight away, yeah. and then he got injured then. So he might be one that they're they're seriously looking at for yeah. attacking involvement. I mean, he yeah he he sounds a real prospect. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And there's others as well who got involved. Obviously, Ostergaard came on at the weekend. Mm. He's not been loaned out, I think, at the moment, but they won't loan him out, I would have thought, with the, with the injury crash we've got. I've got a hunch he's going to stay with us during this issue period, yeah. centre-back-wise. It's a matter of what happens then, whether yeah. he signs a new deal. I think that that's the worry. I mean, mm. when do, does he sign a new, per, a new long-term contract, or does he...? I like him. I yeah. think he's, he's even got... A... I imagine he'll want to be above Duffy, if he's given we know how we much... He should be above Duffy. We well, should, but then... 
Duffy started a friendly and Ostergaard mm. only came on with a half an hour left. So, but then who knows? I mean, Ostergaard might be nursing a minor injury. We never, you never know, do you? Never know. Um, right, final bit of business here on the Albion side of things before we break for half term, half time, half term is probably no it's summer holidays, isn't it? Half time. Where we might get ourselves another beer and also some lovely chicken tikka pies at the Gladstone. Uh, one other item, not such a savoury subject, intermediary alleged breaches. Um, this has come out today. The Argus's report says Albion have pledged their continued co- cooperation with the FA after being charged. The club have, are alleged to have committed several breaches of regulations on working with intermediaries between January 2015 and January 2018. Albion have two weeks in which to respond. They have revealed that they themselves reported to quote, historical administrative errors and have cooperated fully with the FA throughout. A club statement read, uh, and this is to sub-quote the club's statement on their website, Following an internal review in 2019, Brighton and Hove Albion identified and self-reported to the FA a limited number of historical administrative errors relating to the processing of paperwork for intermediaries between 2015 and 2018. The club have openly cooperated with the FA throughout since, initially raising the issue with them and will continue to do so. No further comment will be made at this time. The section under which Albion have been charged, uh, says the Argus, relates to concealing or misrepresenting, to quote, the reality and or substance of any matters in relation to a transaction. The term intermediaries replaced the licensing system for agents in 2015. What do you make of that, Peter? Um, I think the charge wording is a little bollocks, frankly. I mean, it's like completely meaningless. Um, and it paints us in a bad light by what I would say was it seems odd the FA announced that we've been charged Hmm. it feels like one of those things that you should do behind closed doors rather than have a bit of class and have a bit of like decency rather than but we're talking about the FA we've clearly obviously cooperated with we've we've highlighted it we told them from the sound of it Hmm. yet they're going out and putting it on Twitter which is a weird thing and they announced it on Twitter this is the organisation whose head describes black people as coloured people which is way, way, way beyond the point where that's acceptable anyway. I mean, yeah. It's, the FA, before they start for citing clubs like us, should actually maybe look at their own processes and their own corruption and their own issues and their own kind of yeah, like we problems. we mentioned on the last episode, I think it was the last episode, about the, the dementia reviews and there's lots of stuff, analysis and um, studies that have gone in. We'll talk about this maybe more in the second half. Yeah. Um, and they were heavily criticised for yeah. not having... Um, having been doing the job and also the PFA for not hounding them the PFA to be fair yes should be hounding them but they shouldn't have to be yeah. hounding them the I mean, FA the, are not doing their job we, well, we, 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 we all know, know what the FA have got the agenda against us probably still from the fact we still exist after their uh, attempt to try and put us out of business in the 90s absolutely yes we've got long memories FA and you have so are they apparently so yeah apparently so, so I just don't understand why, we're, why they announced it it's like yeah any decent half these organisation would just do this in private and yeah yeah because it's painting painting a club in a bad light. It doesn't look good. Yeah. It, it sounds a bit shady, doesn't it? And I can't imagine for a minute, barring a few very clumsy faux pas aside, at worst, that we would ever do anything yeah. that and, would and be And yet clubs you know, can walk around financial fair play. They can walk around all these sort of 
joke regulations that they can, you know, City are supposed to be able to like bid two hundred fifty million pounds for like Kane and Grealish this summer, and yeah. legally get away with it, and we are then have to like kind of basically being an, like kind of attacked online by the FA for it's like you haven't even found us guilty yet. Just at least like put the don't yeah any sort of organization with any sort of decency would not have put that online. Mm, exactly. It's ridiculous. It's embarrassing that they've done it. It's some sort of I don't know what it is. It, it's an agenda that they didn't get out of business in the nineties, or if it's just some sort of dickhead who's a Palace fan who works for them, wanted to put out a line or something, like, something that. like that. Something like that. We've had so many bad decisions go against us through the years, uh, both on and off the administration side of things. Uh, I and be and if, we, if we did something wrong, then we should be punished for it. But it doesn't need to be announced on the on Twitter by the FA in their Twitter account. It doesn't need to be highlighted that way to the, you know. They shouldn't be using Twitter no. for anything other than just general publicity stuff. Yeah. For for anything formal. I don't think it should be covering yeah. at all. Not, just not issue exactly. a statement where appropriate, when appropriate. If found guilty, you media. could argue putting it on your website saying Brighton have been found guilty of this thing. Yeah. But don't put it on Twitter, don't put it on anything like that. It's just classless and debate or to be fair, if you said this sums up the FA. Absolutely, I completely agree. Well, Peter, I don't know if there's a difference between half-term oranges or half-time oranges, but... But we'll have been neither. We need to, we're having neither of those, <laughs> but we do need to replenish supplies with some beers and also some lovely, lovely chicken tikka pies. Back soon. Right, well, it's time for some more rambling, isn't it, Peter? We've been refreshed, haven't we? And we are, well, if, a, if you don't mind me saying, you look a right old cat face. <laughs> uh, it's the name of the beer we're drinking, cat face. Very, very nice and very, very strong. And helps with the brother Cassie. Exactly. Cue, cue my, my customary slurring that I'm sure will... Uh, your feline pissed after that. Mm. It's ironic because I usually wake up with a cat on my face every morning. That's a real cat. That's not a metaphor, by the way. Anyway. I'm not sure what it would be a metaphor for, to be honest. <laughs> I'd just be glad to be waking up at all, to be honest, because <laughs> we record this podcast on the occasion of my final podcast as a 40-something. Yes, I'm going to be turning 50 on Thursday, Peter. Celebrating on the weekends. You'll be with me, of course. Uh, we will both the, be... a similar establishment to we are now. In, in, funnily <laughs> enough, a very similar establishment, yeah. And you will, of course, as I will, be conducting yourself and me in the very, very finest and most gentlemanly Obviously, of ways. Yeah. Yes. That's the only way I ever conduct myself. Absolutely. At three o'clock when we start. By four o'clock, of course, we'll be in a mess. Anyway, there we go. Well, we've talked about the Albion in part one. Let's talk about general football news in part two. Um, first of all, I haven't ranted about racism for about three or four minutes. So here we go. Pompey, three youth players in a, in a WhatsApp group were being racially abusive, allegedly. Uh, not sure exactly what was said. Uh, something to do with the World Cup, uh, with the Euros, I think. Somebody screen grabbed it, by all accounts reported it and the three players in question whoever they are have now been sacked by the club which fair play to the club yeah. bit of a shady shady affair wasn't it yeah not great is it like, kind mm. of, it's, it's good to see these things being you know picked up on and punished though at least you know and it's good to see someone reported it you know and so that's at least a positive yeah keeping keeping on a downer um hillsborough i i've been a long-standing uh advocate of the justice for the 96 campaign I've found every single bit about what's happened from that moment when the, when the original incident occurred through till now pretty unpalatable that, I mean apart from the bits where 
it was it was deemed that they were unlawfully killed. But apart from that, it's not been great, has it really? And well, now, that's the reaction to the government at the time, which was horrendous. It's like, oh, uh, at the time, and even more recently, and Boris Johnson, of course, is anti-Scouse. He's made derogatory comments about them, along with various other. Uh, ethnic and subgroups of the country. Uh, and just people in general, I think. He's pretty anti. Yeah. Anyone who's not Boris Johnson or his yeah. child, which is pretty much the country, to mm. be honest. Yeah, so. and, and just to clarify, this is not an anti-Tory rant. I despise nearly every politician, but I do particularly have a special seat reserved for Boris Johnson and, and his Thatcher. cohorts. And Th- uh, Thatcher, yeah. And, uh, and Hancock. And Hancock's replacement, who's told everyone they're carrying the corner for doing what they were told. And the Sun as well. And the Sun. their uh, reporting the sun at the time. Slash the scum. Which yeah. still won't be bought by anyone in Liverpool, pretty much. The sun exactly. You cannot sun. buy the Sun in Liverpool. It's Which, I mean, it's great. one of the main things for advertisement in Liverpool, really, I'd say. Do you know what? Let's drink to that. Up yours, the Scum. We hate you. That's the real Scum, not Palace. Palace is just minor Scum. But anyway, yeah, so Andrew Devine has become the 97th victim of the Hillsborough tragedy. He incurred injury. I don't know the details, Smells, but he incurred injuries at the time of the event, which have had long-standing effects on him and were likely to, and have now been proved to, be long-term fatal. He has now died prematurely. I think he was in his 50s. I might might have got that wrong. But it's, it's as a result, directly he off... He must have been so young. He would have been so young when it happened as well. It's 31... Yeah. 32 years ago now, isn't it? Yeah. So it would have been, he'd have been so young when when it happened and to lose most of your, pretty much all your adult life to, yeah. your health-wise to, to that. And then, yeah it's, yeah, it's so terrible for his family and for all, yeah. obviously all the family of the, the other 96 you as well. You can't comprehend it, can you? You really can't comprehend it. No. I, mean, you, I, you I mean, can I've, understand I've, the concept. I've been very lucky fan, in the sense that I started watching football. It was... Obviously, the, the, the 90s weren't perfect, but it started to move towards. Mm. Um, and I've, I've been never really seen trouble that mm. are now being gained. I think one, once at Portsmouth, I was on, there was like we were being led, marched past a pub where there was a lot of rather yeah. aggressive Portsmouth fans, we say, but we were, and we were left at the station because everyone went to Brighton and we went back to London. Mm. And there was like, it felt a little bit kind of you know, threatening. But I could, other than that, I've never really felt in danger, but I, I realised that anyone watching in the 80s and 70s, they'd have been like, permanently you know you'd have felt threatened at any well, game and of course I, I don't remember that era um, I was lying earlier about the birthday party being 50 yes <clears throat> so anyway um, no I, of course I wasn't I do remember that era and yes there was a lot of football hooliganism was rife uh, probably even worse in the 70s which I don't really remember but the 80s yeah it, it was pretty bad um, and uh, I, I just it was coming I have to say it was coming in one shape or form a disaster there have been disasters already of course let's let's not paint over that but um, another disaster was was due and we won't go into the details it's been covered so many times so much better than I ever could here but a number of factors were wrong safety certificates appropriateness of the stadium itself policing standards both High level yeah. and at low level. It's, I mean, it's always ironic that the, the, apparently the, the thing that made Hillsborough get the FA Cup semi-final amongst other clubs was of having the, the fence in the front and because people couldn't get onto the pitch and that was the very thing that actually ended up killing so many people Yeah, because no one could get into the pitch because normally they're spilt onto the pitch in that situation. When you look back on it, so give, given everything that we've seen in recent times as well with disorder, when all said and done, people would actually behave themselves by and large at games, which it was a yeah. big leap of faith to... To, to get rid of those fences but it was part of the course it was ordinary my upbringing as an Albion fan was watching fans behind fences 
me being one of them, watching watching the game through fences. It was a unless you were further up in the in the stand, and it was it was just part of the course, really. Um, yeah, I remember when first watching games. I think yeah. it was like still there were there were yeah. still around. It's like yeah, it feels like one of those things. It does feel as much as. You know, and a lot of people would say, "Well, it's different." You know, in, it was better in my day when you know compared to the Amex. It it does feel like you know you don't. The last thing you want to do is go to a game and not and feel unsafe. And, and you know, kind yeah. of situation is you know yes, all right for some people it might be they prefer to stand in a packed terrace with like they're squeezed in with their mates. But for a lot of people, it's a much more yeah. a nicer experience of watching. And it was it was a climate of um, intolerance and disrespect from the government at the time. Thatcher was very hardcore. Uh, obviously what was going on with the north of England in general there was a lot of rife unemployment rife disorder all sorts of stuff but ultimately they're human beings going to a football match yeah there's a load of scallies as they called them who were trying to get in ticketless the point is they wouldn't be able to and if they did it would be in very small numbers people doing very athletic things there was footage of somebody climbing into an upper floor of a uh, Wembley window once where they, they clearly had a whole complicated series of things had gone on for this guy to be led in by somebody on the inside who pulled him up and you know you're risking your life to go in but that's one guy getting in or whatever this was it's something a lot different. of people this yeah. is opening a door to death it was opening a door yeah. with loads of unchecked ticketless fans I've been to Hillsborough I've seen how the setup is and, and from previous information I've understood you've, you've got essentially Hillsborough is also the name of a road which curves around and it it basically about halfway along the road is where a sort of gradually bottlenecking walkway gravitates towards where the turnstiles are, which is fine. And what used to happen was apparently they would check the tickets where that pedestrianised area started. And something that's never been mentioned in anything I've listened to is that apparently that wasn't the case mm. on this occasion. So a larger number of people got into a further point along towards the turnstiles that was the first problem the second problem was it wasn't a suitable ground the third problem was the police were incapable of doing the job properly as has been proved unlawful death Um, unfortunately what we've got to be careful what we say here but unfortunately in terms of the courts nothing nobody was found specifically guilty of anything apart from a couple of people with peripheral offences on that basis I would say justice has never been done and now just with this guy, Andrew Devine, rest in peace. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've got nothing but the greatest of sympathy to, yeah, absolutely. to, to all of his family. He's just the latest victim from 90, 97 now who should never have lost their lives. No. Simply shouldn't have happened. It was an unfit for purpose stadium with unfit for purpose policing. Simple as mm. that. It's, it's a matter of fact. Without those two elements, nobody dies. It's just all. Oh, very very unlikely and that's the problem of course that they can all blame each other you know the stadium can blame yeah. the police and the yeah. police can blame the stadium and, and we mentioned the scum yeah. newspaper their their coverage of that was is simply despicable and disgusting yeah and it's not just not just this we talk about this because it's a football podcast other coverage and there was a miners protest there's been various other instances that have occurred since uh, what's his name? Kevin, is it Calvin McKenzie, mm. the editor at the time. You are a disgrace to your so-called profession. Uh, I, I, I'm repulsed by your very existence. That's what I'll say on the matter. And my my sympathies are 100 percent with Liverpool fans. You're not very opinionated. Liverpool fan that. family. No, I'm holding back, Peter, as usual. You know what I'm like. I, I'm very wishy-washy on the fence. 
Um, but we'll say no more You're about it. Chilled. Yeah. <laughs> Other than to say, justice for the '97. Yeah. Hasn't been done. It probably never it will really be. Never but will justice be now. to the '97. The trials would have done it if it was going to be yeah. done. I think yeah. it was, it's not going to happen now. But this country has let down all of those people. And, yeah, and, and anyone else an besides who could have been involved in a way that that no what that's in it, they'd probably been a scapegoat in the sense for like a lot of systematic systematic and general failings anyway. I mean, you could argue yeah, yeah. the police. I mean, the police in charge should have been better, but then it wasn't solely their fault. So I mean, uh, I can see where you know they were probably you know they were they were found not guilty because there were a lot of other problems that were caused which they weren't at fault for this in itself is As a you tragedy say, isn't it? Hillsborough should have been, never been chosen it was like this is the problem isn't it the, the fact so game. many things are genuinely accountable yeah. for this disaster shows you how badly things have become rotten yeah if any one of those things hadn't done their thing it probably would have been fine so oh. it's yeah it's one of those things that no one had ever been brought to account because so many people were, were accountable for yeah. it that they can't really they won't be able to le- probably legally pin it on one person yeah. or one group of people yeah. because there were so many failings and so many problems. And, and the only the only bright side it did, did lead to that to the inquiries and to the check mm-hmm. and to the changes. And while football, in some ways, I miss standing at games. In other ways, I'd much rather be where we are now mm-hmm. than where we were in the eighties, where there was real danger. People, you know, you could turn to a football match and end up, you know, in, fearing for your life in a way. You know, so absolutely. And uh, it's yeah. I mean. The, don't, don't get me wrong, you know, High saw what happened, I think it was four years earlier, yeah. was a disaster. But that in itself was very similar in some ways. First of all, you've, you, yes, you've got scallies, you've got disorder, you've got people chances, there's all sorts of stuff going on. The stadium was unfit. It was yeah. due to be condemned. How the fuck is yeah, a Europe, stadium... The, the key game of, of yeah, football in Europe exactly. was played there, yeah. That's the first problem. The second problem is... Yeah, that wall should never have collapsed. It yeah, was not... exactly. Even if people charged it, you shouldn't have a wall yeah. that collapses. In, on people, people might have got involved in fights and had minor injuries, or major injuries, but they wouldn't have died, and they did because mm. of that wall. Well, not in that number anyway. Exactly. And two other elements I'd like to, to say to anyone who doesn't know about this, redress the balance. First of all, Italian fans are no saints. They were painted as the victims here. And yes, in physical terms, they were, but they'd agitated against Liverpool fans. Liverpool fans themselves are not squeaky clean. They would tend to be the very, very successful side in Europe. So they would travel abroad. They would bung their way on onto trips. You know, they'd, they'd get there on, on a budget. There's quite a few reports of people shoplifting from Italian designer stores. And this is what led to the whole fashion for designer wear at football, uh, including hooligans as well. And no doubt they ruffled a few feathers, but Roma, uh, the previous year, I think it was, there was the Razor Gangs, who are still notorious to this day for slashing the, 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 the buttocks and the upper half of the back of the legs of random tourists, if they're football-related, near one of the, these bridges. There's a notorious thing. I can't remember the name of the place. It's in Roma. And they, they will just go around with razor blades on mopeds, slash people and zoom off. Cowardly shitty kind of behaviour this was going on for two or three years before ISIL and people were having their buttons pushed for a number of years Liverpool were there year after year in these tournaments then they come to ISIL they're provoked by the Juve fans and they charge them and and essentially what would have happened is aggro within the stadium 50-50 that's what would have happened if it wasn't for happen chance really with with the fact that a certain charge happened and as you said a wall that should never have been or in a stadium that should never have been used, uh, collapsed. Uh, a disaster. But let's not 
let's not take anything away from the fact that's got nothing to do with Hillsborough in one sense yeah. because what happened there was a mess but it was a mess and by also, the authority let's be honest, the people who a lot the people who, who died at Hillsborough probably weren't the same people who were charging exactly. Juventus fans at Heisel yeah. you know it was families it was children it was yeah. quite young young people it was you know kind of you know kind of family family yeah. that sort of thing it wasn't necessarily the people yeah. who it wasn't the people who who forced their way in who were probably the similar to the ones who you went to high school that sort of thing yeah who were probably a problem it was the people who, who yeah. died it was the people who were at the front who were squashed by everyone and couldn't and, do anything about it you've got amongst the worst problems in the country for uh, ultra hooliganism etc and they weren't squeaky clean there was a lot of people there causing problems I think it, I think it's just it just makes a real point again it was really glad that everything's uh yeah, kind of better than it was in the, in those days. So as Absolutely. much as it's, I'm sure a lot of fans, you know, will say it's like a bit sanitised these days. Everything's a bit, yeah. especially in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. We don't go to like stadiums where you can stand these days. But yeah. I think it's a, you know, it does show, you know, kind of for all the fact that we go to watch football in the end, whether you stand or sit or whatever, and the fact that you can just no worry about getting home safe or getting safely away from the ground is or in the ground is absolutely good thing. Completely. The location at QPR and that sort of thing when everyone leaps forward in a rather dodgy away end and you're trying to like you wonder if you're going to go over the edge of the top stand or something possibly <laughs> and um, yeah speaking of trouble um, Copa, you're here aren't you yeah I'm here I am here <laughs> Copa Libertadores um, it's hard to believe they'd be th- troubling South American football yes I know they're squeaky clean on they're it. normally such lovely people and they will get on so well I- I've got a mate of mine Ronaldo his name he's a Brazilian he actually played football at a good level, apparently, but it's not that one. Um, I was going to say, you've got a mate called Ronaldo, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, but he's, he is Brazilian, and his name really is Ronaldo. And he's, um, he's a Palmeiras fan, and he said that uh, he thought that the behaviour by English fans is nothing. There's nothing there that terrifies him compared with Brazil. No, he I mean, said, what happens in Brazil is you could be wearing colours, walking around with a kid in arms, and they will take the kid off of you, plonk it down to one side, beat the hell out of you then hand you the kid back he said he saw that in front of his own eyes so you know if we think we've got yeah. problems I mean we haven't yeah I mean comparison to a lot of countries it's yeah. like we've got we've got what most of the, 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 the thing is cowards over here racially abusing people it's not like yeah, exactly. you know it's not like kind of people who are you know beating people up these days it's kind of reasonably quiet in that sense it's mainly cowards who have got nothing you know kind of you know, scum who are racially abusive in the ground, although not so much over the last year or so, yeah. or online. It's even more cowardly because you can't even, you know, you're just hiding behind a computer, and it's yeah. there's no kind of there generally isn't that much violence at football matches, and when it is, it's normally organised. So it's people who want to have a fight, have a fight, or us headbutting the toilet wall as we go for a half-time pint. Uh, the Amex having gone three 0 down due to some incompetent defending, that sort of thing. Yeah, uh, but yeah, but, but basically in South America, there's in the last week or so. There's been an incident which ESPN have reported on. I'll read their report. It says Boca Juniors have six charged by police after Copa Libertadores clash. So this is obviously the South American Championship. Six players or? Six players, yeah. Charged um, by the police? Yep. Uh, this is, so that makes Duncan Ferguson at, uh, going to Barlini after his uh, <laughs> on-field exploit seem quite tame, really. So this is the, the Copa de Libertadores, for anyone that doesn't know, is the South American equivalent of the yeah. Champions League. So uh, it, the report says Brazilian police charged six Boca Junior players and officials on Wednesday. This, I think this is the previous Wednesday. A day after they were involved in clashes with rivals 
and police following their Copa Libertadores elimination by Atletico Mineiro, which is, of course, a Brazilian team, with which Ronaldinho played at one point. Um, the report says two were charged with damaging property and released after paying 3,000 zeis, uh, which is basically $574 bail each. The Minas Gerais State Police said in a statement, uh, four others from the Argentine club were charged with causing bodily harm and abusing authorities. They were released after formally agreeing to appear before a judge at a future date, the statement added. None of the six poker players were identified, with the club releasing the following statement on Wednesday, which said, Boca Juniors suffered during the Copa Libertadores series against Atletico Mineiro two inexplicable wrong decisions. <laughs> I love the way they started this statement. You can see where they're going. It doesn't have very apologetic, yeah, does it? No, it doesn't, does it? <laughs> <laughs> two, two inexplicably <laughs> wrong decisions overturning legal goals I love the word use of the word legal which have destroyed the spirit of most of the most prestigious tournament in the continent not not their behaviour that hasn't destroyed it no not at all they went on to say our fans players and coaching staff have been harmed by a malicious and intentional way of utilising the VAR technology what happened marks an unprecedented event it's the first time where a team that won the two games in a series of, is eliminated from the competition. We can't overlook the attitude of the club at Atletico Mineiro president who encouraged and incited the violence with threatening messages for several days until reaching the point of the regrettable events in which our players, coaching staff and executive management were physically harmed and detained for more than 12 hours in unfortunate conditions in order not to break the sanitary bubble. Is it, is it safe to say that they're um, standing by their players then? I think there might be, yeah. <laughs> this sort of shambles only seems to happen uh, in... Places like Brazil, I have to say. It's, it's terrible, isn't it? This is unbelievable. I've, I've seen it a few other places where there's been a mass brawl on the pitch and people do high-flying kung fu kicks. I don't know what that's about. That always seems to happen. I don't mean in China. This is in, you know, this is in Mexico and South America and places like that. My well, recollection of the... Remember the, the, the documentary we talked about, I think, on the show once about the Brazilian player who never actually played... Mm. And, it, and the threatening fans standing behind him and abusing him when he was like yes. <laughs> when he was warming up to come on and he had to like feign an injury or something at that point so kind of that's Kaiser oh no, he, yeah. no, he got into a fight didn't he jumped over and started having a fight with them didn't deliberately, he deliberately in order yeah, to avoid, to avoid coming, coming on, on. Yeah. <laughs> and being exposed as a sham <laughs> yeah this is if you, if you haven't heard this episode you should track back it's, uh, the film is Kaiser it's by yeah. Louis Miles who is an Englishman not only that an Albion fan we had him on, the, had show. on the show yeah. he, he's, he's follows us on Twitter if you are listening, Louis, hi to you as well. It's a real insight to Brazilian football, though, that A, he could get away with that, but also B, the, some of the reactions of the fans and that sort of thing was like, was genuinely, you know, he, he jumped over the stage. Yeah, I mean, over this the, diversionary blame culture thing is so, so prevalent, isn't it, as well? Yeah. Um, on the one hand, I kind of think, well, River Plate are probably like standing by their players, but they probably did something wrong. On the other hand, I'm suspicious that they did something wrong but without any sort of like kind of any sort of being you know kind of any involvement from anyone else (laughs) from Brazilian players and it's funny how they arrested all the Argentinian players but not the Brazilian players probably you know it's kind of like quite suspicious about that yeah it's almost like they they were like well you know we don't like Argentinians so we'll arrest them but we're gonna we're gonna leave the Brazilian players who tried to who had a fight with them (laughs) to actually get on with it well 
in a series of extremely amazing. I, I apologise for the Argentinian policemen. <laughs> yeah. uh, sorry, Brazilian policemen <laughs> listening, because I'm sure that the uh, Brazilian police is a well-known listener to the show. <laughs> we, we have listeners in the Philippines and Singapore. Why not in Argentina? Brazilian, and the Brazilian police force. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, segueing amazingly there. From I, might, I might not get a Brazil in the near future. <laughs> well, or going under an like, assumed identity. Speaking of trouble, I'm segueing here, Peter. Speaking of trouble. Seagulls over London. We had a meeting in person for the first time in many. Yeah, sadly, many I, my isolation meant I couldn't go. Yeah, you got so, pinged. You're, yeah. you're in the ping dammit. Ping dammit. Ping dammit, aren't you? I was. Yeah, not you anymore. Were, yeah. You were now a free bird. But you. Um, yes, you. Um, That's what I think of myself as. You missed the meeting, but we had the meeting first time in quite a long time. It was only the AGM and people will remember Abelia and we chatted about that. But were there cucumber sandwiches? There weren't, no. Uh. The Paul Welsh days are over, I'm afraid. Rest in peace, Paul. A string to Paul. About four years ago, I think it is now, four or five years. Um, but yeah, we had, we had our first meeting for many months. A AGM, so the usual formalities for a while. And then people brought memorabilia and talked about the old days. And we had, amongst other things, I was telling you off air, um, Chris and Janet, friends of the show, brought in um, essentially a 12-inch version of the 7-inch single of the cup final song from 1983. Boys in the old bright and blue, and on the flip side, Goldstone Rap. Essentially, what they did, they, they produced a souvenir version, which was 12 inch. It was still only a single on each side, but uh, they brought those in. Those, those are brilliant. A load There's of no free lines, though. I mentioned exactly no free three lines. Lots of old photographs, lots of memorabilia, goals. lots of anecdotes. It was great. It was good, and, and for everyone that attended, it was a decent turnout considering it was a, a non-guest event, as it were. It was good to see so many faces, seeing them in 3D again after all this time. Mm. So any of you guys listening, thanks for coming. It was an yeah. absolute pleasure. And, if, and anyone who wants to join, we, mm. we meet like every couple of months. And so Christopher Hatton in, uh, in oh, yes. around sort of like Chancery Lane sort of area. And yep. Chancery it's always Lane, like Auburn. plenty of interesting guests. There's plenty of online stuff still going on, I think, as well. Yep. So anyone who wants to join, seagullsoverlondon.com. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, there's, a, there's a membership thing there. Yeah, and you'll probably get an email from me after that because I'm membership secretary. Yeah. If you've got so. any inquiries, then you follow the link to someone called Russell Guy. I've no idea who that is. Yeah. Sounds a bit of a shifty character. character. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that is me. Yes. Uh, uh, so uh, yes, if you've got any inquiries, feel free to give. Or us you a want shout. to join up? Then come. Yeah, yeah. we we met through that, so you might think that's Absolutely. a bad thing or a good thing. Who Definitely knows? a bad thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, all started. Things <laughs> over London. It's so all, it's all growing. Never all know if you join. You might in ten years time have a Brighton podcast that talks shit every every week <laughs> absolutely <laughs> and drinks quite a lot of beer I mean, what more could you want exactly it's growing exponentially which is great um, we've got you 74 know, current members yeah and that's that's paid up yeah we've gone past the free period when we were doing stuff on Zoom legit, 74 paid up legit. members yeah it's uh, 10 quid if you I'm join I'm currently year, like, kind of siphoning off the money to my, uh, my, my you know kind of Cayman Islands account yeah I'll see you over there next month isn't it yeah cool Brilliant. But no, thanks for everyone for joining. Yeah. Especially, can I say thanks and hello to Phil, Phil Breeze, a regular listener, who was really nice actually at the meeting. He said how it's really got him through, you know, all the, all the lockdown period and it's, it's kept his pecker up, so to speak, in terms of. You I, know, I was going to make some sort of joke, but actually, I'm in a serious way, it's actually got three through lockdown to villains as well. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you being distracted with something else, it's yeah. got her through lockdown. <laughs> but no, no it's, it's been it's been great. The pod, the pod has been actually really kind of good, and yeah. I didn't. I don't, to be honest, two years ago, it never really occurred to me that I'd be sitting in at home, working from home, talking to like Mark Lawrence and or Brian Horton <laughs> in my in my living room. You know, kind of. It's uh, 
it's yeah, it's something that we never really kind of I would have thought about or having a lunchtime chat with uh, Michelle Kuypers or Paul Barber, you know. It's, yeah, as you do. It is a pretty real kind of thing. Egg isn't sandwich, it, when you think about it? Michelle Kuypers. Egg sandwich, Michelle Kuypers. Yeah, it oh, does. It, it's a bit of a surreal thing, isn't it? You know, it's kind of mm. it's something that you know we I've actually really enjoyed, and mm. if other people do, that's even better. Well, Frankly, if no one listened to it, I'd still enjoy doing it and talking crap, but. Absolutely, it's, so will I. But it's really good that people do listen to it, enjoy it, and, you know, kind of... I'm glad you enjoy it, Peter. So am I. I'm sorry if this sounds a bit, uh, you know, just... Uh, Self-congratulatory. Yeah. <laughs> but, no, it has been great. And if, if honestly, what Phil said, and thanks again, Phil, for your comments at the Seagulls of London meeting, but if, if it has cheered anyone up, kept them going, even just provided a mild distraction to whatever else is going on in their lives, we're happy to be there for you, for you guys. We're going to continue to chat shit forever. Um, it's up to you whether you download we're it. We're both or not. very good at it. We, well, we're, we were, we're doing it for a long time before that without recording it, so <laughs> <laughs> you thought you might exactly. as well record With it. the emphasis on the word shit, obviously. <laughs> but, uh, no, but but thank you to all listeners as well, of course, not just yeah. seagulls over London. From, from the UK and around the world. Philippines, yeah. Singapore, all over the place, yes. Argentina, Argentina Brazilian police. <laughs> yeah. And if you are listening, get those five star reviews in, get writing <laughs> reviews. Honestly, it helps us with our ratings and it will allow us to attract. Other guests, other sponsors, perhaps as well. And if you want to give us a one-star review, please don't. Yes, don't don't do that. No, don't do that. <laughs> so, uh, on that subject, and keeping on the Sussex theme, Peter, Port Slade pub football. Yeah. What so can we say? Apparently, there's a uh, pub football team from Port Slade called the Victoria, who will um, who will be playing at Wembley this weekend, which is quite exciting. Brilliant. So it's a charity shield on Saturday, and on Sunday it's a pub tournament between the winner of they, they won a, a tournament of seven-a-side tournament um, where they had to beat one team 3-0 in their final, the top team 3-0 in their final group game to get through, and they did in the last minute, like, late last few minutes, and then won the <laughs> quarter-final semi-final and got through to the final and beat the uh, England futsal team, I think it was, it was saying, uh, in, the, in the thing. Well, you know, the England futsal team was once run by the aforementioned Ronaldo, my mate. Not the Ronaldo. Not not Cristiano, no. no or the, the, the Ronaldo. Not the one with the silly haircuts, no. Um, anyway. So, yeah, they managed to win, get a last-minute winner to, to get a trip to Wembley. So they're... And I do love the quote. The guy, this is like really great. Owen Skerry, who's from Hove, said, We're a group of mates from school that love football and pull together to form a team. It's mad that the day before we play, the charity shield, the community shield will be played on the same pitch. I think it's sunk in, sunk in for everyone yet. This is according to an article, obviously, online. But it's coming, it's completely surreal. It's going to be a completely unfigurable experience. None of us will make it as professional footballers now. It does not get any better than playing at Wembley. I always find it funny when you say people on TV say they are speechless, but I now understand. After we won, I was like, I was without words. And it's now apparently going from 7 aside to 11 aside. So he's basically saying that all his, everyone's mates have been ringing up saying, can, can we play as well? Or they take a 15-man <laughs> squad. And they're talking about like taking a bunch of the ice ice baths and top tubs afterwards and stuff. So mm. it's a really great story, and it's like one of those. And I do I think like this. It's like I've seen so many stories in the Olympics as well that are so amazing and kind of, you know, it does remind you of what sports all about. And even Which, whether people win or lose or whatever, it's kind of like whatever your level is, it's about doing something that's amazing at your level, and that for them is just incredible. And whether it's like you know for the for the playing for the. Um, Playing for the Albion team in the Renth match and winning eight mm. one or whatever it was like yeah. pretty, pretty you know, fantastic. It's a broad spectrum, isn't it? Yeah, the exactly. Olympics alone is it's just a huge. And for some people, Olympics getting to the final or yeah. being there is like amazing. Other did, people did it's you coming. See there was a, this is refugee representative team at yeah. the Olympics, and one of the guys there, the weightlifter, 
was homeless refugee on the streets of Brighton. I couldn't believe I thought, what? I didn't even know. And then I looked at it and I thought, oh, refugee team. I didn't know anything about this. No. What a brilliant but, idea. Yeah, that's really... I mean, it's great. And it's, it's you know, the Olympics, again, it like embodies everything about mm. sports. Some of the things, and I'm going to get into a rant here that's slightly off Albion topic, but Piers Morgan, who is somewhat of a, not a bugbear <laughs> of mine, should we say, was quoted last week as saying any, any professional, any athlete who, who, who displays a silver or bronze medal is like, shouldn't it's not like a you know it's not a real you know, competitor or it's not mm. a kind of like the, it's not a fighter or something like that effectively and it's a load of shit yeah exactly it's like you've come second or third it's in, easy to say that and you're fat when you're like exactly somewhere. when you're like doing absolutely fuck all in your life other than, other than saying stupid crap year after year unsurprisingly he also attacked Simone Biles effectively in the Daily Mail as well so did he? yeah he was saying how like well, not being men- str- mental not kind of mental health is being used as an excuse by sports stars basically no what's happening is mental health is now manifesting itself correctly yeah. as and an I, issue I, I really hope it becomes a bigger thing because I mean the way Naomi Osaki was taken was like mm. was taken which each that the trot the treated at the French Open was disgraceful you're seeing and now she's, she's had something Simone Biles and then Ben Stokes has now like taken a break from cricket for mental even, health even um, Adam Peaty who yeah. I don't think he was saying he had a particularly overriding issues what he was saying was he needed to take a break yeah to make sure he maintains... And I hope these things mental. now start to like make people take... Because obviously they care a lot about their teams, their players' physical fitness and, mm. and their athletes' physical fitness, but it needs to be a focus on mental health as well. And I mean, I, I have to a... say, Timon Biles today came back and winning a bronze medal on the ball, on, on the um, beam, mm. having... Coming back, it was just... I mean, for a woman who expected to win so many goals at this Olympics, yes. to win... To coming back and winning a silver, and obviously the team she won already, and then a bronze yeah. today, that is just phenomenal. And it's like, people like that make... You know, kind of mm. Piers more people like Piers Morgan. You know, he's, he's just so it's far pathetic. below it's, them. It's, it's so like, easy to sit around and, and say yeah. what you want, isn't it? And but, I know that's what we're doing. And I, and I, but, yeah, the Olympics is literally embodiment to me of sport because it is people who, you know, especially with the new sports as well, like the mountain biker and the and the BMX, BMX riders who, like, like the guy who the guy who was training in Peckham, which is not too far from where I where mm. I live now. I you know, kind of like there was like talking to his mates from Peckham, you know, Peckham track, whatever. Perfect, Pe- yeah. Peckham BMX track and they were talking yeah. to the amazing family of Tom Dean who was like who was laid up all night watching in their garden the like, whole yeah. street was invited and they were going to do it again the next night when he was in the replay, relay as well you know that's that's what sport's about and football I think in some ways loses that because of the whole team thing mm. and because of but there are like people here who live in their dream in football and genuinely mm. it's such a you know kind of and I, I love the passion of people like Adam Webster this week when he said, like, you know, I couldn't, I wouldn't, don't want to be anywhere else. You know, he's got no, he, he's from Chichester, I think, isn't he? But he's not, mm, no real yeah. connection to Brighton directly. Yeah. But he, he's like, yeah, I don't want to be anywhere else. I want to be, and obviously he's getting very well paid for five years to do it. But People that do it for the love of the sport. Yeah. And I'm, my, my dad's not, not too great, to be honest. He's not too well. He mm. might not last too long. I hope he does, but he might not. But he, he was always into sport locally in Worthing. He's from Essex originally. He moved to Worthing before I was born. And he's always been involved in sport. He played a lot of badminton, squash, hockey. He was on the sports council, ended up on Worthing uh, County Council. Um, uh, sorry, Borough Council. Um, but uh, I remember at the time when we used to go to the sports centre, I think it was on Sundays, we'd end up gravitating there and I'd hang around in the background. And uh, I remember there was, a, there was a caption, Sport for All, which was a, a big slogan. I don't know if it was just for Worthing leisure centre or whether it was a, a county-wide or even a nationwide thing I had no idea I was only a kid at the time 
But I remember that, and I'm thinking that's a pretty good caption, really. Sport mm. for all. Sport should always be for all. Yeah, yeah. And, it's a, and sport is about kind of like doing your best as well. And if you can, yeah. If you hit, if you get a personal best in Olympics and you do amazingly, that's incredible. If you get to a, you know, the final of a, a pub tournament and you, brilliant. If you, if your also best is like scoring a goal in a mm. random five-a-side tournament, that's the best as well. You know, it's like anything like that. It's w- winning whatever bro- is like living up to you, what you can winning do. Winning Brighton Rock Podcaster of the Year. I mean, that's, that's an achievement. That's still only a one in two, isn't it? <laughs> Damn uh, it, I came third. <laughs> uh, but no, it's brilliant. It's Guyver brilliant Russell came second and... Uh, <laughs> Russell Guyver came yeah, first. That's right, yeah. Yeah. yeah, funny that. The yeah. votes were like done in secret, though. Let's funny not talk enough. about the voting system. Um, <laughs> I think it's very similar to the FIFA's World Cup system. <laughs> speaking of Sussex, speaking of sports, speaking of the name Russell, another brilliant segue here. Russell Martin, Vandine School, uh, Albion Academy graduate, went on to play for Norwich. Natch. Natch. Uh, he ended up as well in recent times as manager of MK Dons. Do you know that they had the highest average percentage possession in the country? More than Man City. Something like 68%. Something crazy. Do we need to reduce Man City significantly in that one game, though? Exactly. But here, here you've got, you got an Albion fan who's making his way up. He's taken the job at Swansea, which Steve Cooper vacated. I think he'll do a good job there. Whether we'll get promoted is not neither here nor there. Well, I think this he won't. Season, I think Swansea probably won't. This season. have lost quite a few of their key yeah. players. And they've, they've lost... they, they're limited on resources. Yeah, they've lost Woodman, mm. uh, Gwaye, obviously at, Ch- uh, at yeah. uh, Palace now, yeah. uh, Hurahan yeah. and Ayu, all four of them, and more as well, yeah. I think. And they've not really spent money on replacing them. So I see this as very positive. I think it's positive for Russell Martin because I think it's a good step up, and I think he will get time. I think they will actually give him time. Unless, he's, unless they look in danger of going down, I think they'll give yeah, him time. Yeah, unless something drastic happens, yeah. Secondly, I think that works very well on our time scale because I think if he does very well over a period of three to four years with Swansea, we might just take a chance on someone like him if Graham Potter moved on to, for example, the England job or a, a better job in club football, if, if there is one at all. I can't think Never of one. Never see isn't one, so... No. Yeah. Um, could he be even as close as the next manager for the Albion? I pose the notion. He plays a good brand of football. He likes to play good football, get the ball down, possession. Um, Probably might be a bit fed up with us by then, though. There might be, but then, you know, Southampton and Liverpool, Southampton and... was it Who, who else was playing? Manu. Manu, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, Schneiderling and Shaw. Wasn't yeah, it? that's right. Um, I, yeah, good luck to him. He's an Albion fan. He's a, he's a Brighton boy. He's a good lad in general. Uh, it's one of those I always thought you'd probably so, sign but of course we then moved when he was better he was a better player we were not good enough and then when he became he started dropping down we, we started moving up so it was a bit too it wasn't realistic at that point it became too good for him is that what yeah. you're saying well effectively yeah I mean we definitely <laughs> are too good for him now in terms of playing so, so. but Russell if you're listening to this and I'm sure you're not uh, keep us in mind for the future if you're on the on the upward scale there's no better place like home uh, so to uh we're going to conclude the show now. Shall I? Uh, well, I, I have a question for you. We've got the VAR thing as well. Do we talk about Oh, in fact, VAR. Yeah. Quickly? Yeah. Just quickly. I was, I was going to pose a few questions for you. Yeah. Well, it depends on whether it's got anything to do with VAR or not. Should we do VAR first? Do or VAR. After? Yes, do VAR okay, first. VAR. So VAR, there's been some new proposals as to the way they're going forward. With very it. They, vague. They did need to change it, that's for sure. They they're are very vague, their proposals. Apparently changing it, but yes, it's very vague. Uh, essentially what they're doing is they're giving the benefits to the attacker in offside scenarios and they're doing away with the lines as visible to fans I believe 
I, I do but think that doesn't really mean anything because they're still doing the lines full stop. Yes, exactly. So they're we're not seeing it, but are they still doing the same shit or yeah. are they improving it? I don't know. Maybe there's some positives. I mean, to the, take foot, from the that. Premier League and the football, the FA, they're not improving it. No, it's yeah, yeah, exactly. They probably make it worse. Yeah, but let's hope that they improve the offside scenario. I think there's potential that they might do. It's, it's going to be the frustration again this year because at least last season we got to see vaguely what they were doing and what they're talking about, even if we disagreed. But this year, they're not going to show it even on screens, are they? So we won't have any idea what's going on. So we'll be sitting in the stadium wondering what the hell's happening. It's going to be interesting to see, isn't it? Because we haven't seen a huge... We won't be, because we won't see anything. Yeah. <laughs> we'll just see a blank screen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll barely know what even reviewing. I mean, we didn't have too much time before before we were behind closed doors, did we? Yeah. As well, that's, that's to be remembered. Eight, we had, eight what, months one... or seven months. Yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, the, the interesting thing is they've, they've changed the rules around penalty claims that stuff as well haven't they yeah I mean, I... as I understand it I think what's hap- what they're trying to do is they're trying to stop the issue where a player runs up the goalkeeper's running in they tap it wide they've got no chance of retrieving the ball they make contact yeah. which they're expecting with the goalkeeper and it's given as a penalty they're trying to negate that they're trying to say you've got to make an earnest contact there to... but it's yeah but the, it, the issue it'll... isn't the issue hmm. is inconsistency still and that's that's what frustrates me like the you know, I mean, the fact that, you know, Welbeck doesn't get a penalty at Man U, yet hmm. Batshuayi gets a penalty against Palace. But this is the problem. Yeah, I mean... Ultimately, this, we're still going to get shit decisions against Yeah, us. this is the thing. Whatever, they're whatever not gonna, the remit. Yeah. They're, they're not solving it. I mean, it's, it, it is kind of still down to people, and it's still down to, you know, whether you think it's worth overruling or not. So it's just generally, you know, there's a lot of mess around it, and I don't know how to solve it, really. Uh, what, what do you think in terms of our any further thoughts on it Peter I'm not sure there is an easy way to solve it really no, to be honest. no not really anyway it is it is still down to the officials behind the scenes and they are gonna you are gonna get decisions like Suchek getting sent off against Fulham for example and stuff like that yeah exactly so yeah you were gonna ask me something about uh, yeah, so I'm guessing it's about predictions isn't it it's yeah funny enough with the season starting a week and a half or in some cases half a week um, I was gonna say what are your predictions so going through the leagues we should like compare notes maybe we have a comparison in like a month's time when the Reds win shut see what you think yeah okay well so division by division yeah okay so yeah I reckon the Premier League I think this season the top four without doubt for me is going to be Man City Liverpool Chelsea and Man U I think City are going to win it just from Liverpool I think Liverpool will bounce back big time but they won't quite have enough I think I really rate Tuchel I think he does ruffle feathers, but I think he does a good job. I think they'll finish third. third. And I think um, Man United, I don't think they're really moving in the right direction to a strong enough degree, but they have made some good signings. Regardless of what happens with Pogba, I think they will have a good go of it and they will finish in the top four. So I'm going City, Liverpool, Chelsea, Man U. Beyond that, I think you're looking at an improved Arsenal side, maybe Leicester could be involved and Spurs maybe maybe but I think Spurs are not in a good way at the moment at the bottom I think we're, we're talking Watford and I think we're talking unfortunately Brentford I do like Brentford nicely run club good owners good fans and I think the other one is either going to be Burnley because I think they might have gone stale a bit Palace or possibly Newcastle but that would depend on the fitness of Callum Wilson and possibly Alan St. Maximan. Yep, yeah, I, I 
wouldn't disagree with your top four. I think the order might be slightly different. I think I don't think Liverpool will be as good as they were. I think they've some of their players up front have gone a bit stale, maybe given you know if they last season Mane didn't quite hit the heights and Yotto after a good start slowed down a bit. So maybe Liverpool come fourth and I'd say Chelsea second. Ooh. I think they'll sign a striker and that'll solve a lot of their problems and Tuchel is, has been a really he's good manager good, for he's them. He's a good manager, isn't he? And United third with with Sanchez, Sancho and Varen. So you're saying Liverpool Varen. fourth? Yeah, but Ooh. I think they probably they probably will push on. So um, they will kind of um, with, they will come third probably still. So obviously City will win it comfortably in my view. I think they will. They'll probably sign Kane, which is something we haven't talked about today. Obviously he's not that happy at Tottenham and Dan not, yeah, effectively. So I think signing him will be there the, even if they don't get Grealish. I'm not sure Greenish adds that much to them. They've got so many players who can play in Greenish position, it's not a problem. Mm. But they haven't got a Kane, and if they get Kane and they use him where they can they can play who they want up front during a normal game, but then they play Kane for the big games and the kind of like then I you know, he'll have less pressure on his injuries than he would at Tottenham and he they'll be they'll be, they'll do they'll probably win the league and they'll probably win the Champions League if they get Kane as well. Yeah. Okay. Which is why they wouldn't spend hundred and fifty million on a twenty eight year old, frankly. Because they they probably will win everything as a result of it. Um, I think at the bottom, I wonder if Brentford might be the surprise package. It's it's interesting, isn't it? It's like I think I think Norwich, for all the fact they they're buying some interesting players, they may be the ones who they may well go down again. They were so far adrift last time, and they've lost Buendia. Puki was not that great after the first two months, and, and I think they'll struggle for goals. I think. Watford will be very reliant on Saar and if they if they if he can get some goals and do really well then he might stay up but I think I think the Norwich and Watford will go down. Brentford might be a surprise package. It, a lot will depend on Tony and whether he manages to get the goals that they think he can. But if he does, they might actually have the surprise package and and survive. And I wonder if Newcastle might be the ones to to lose out because being back at St James's Park with the crowd won't help them because the crowd are so anti-Bruce and anti-Ashley um, so the home game thing won't help them and away from home they'll obviously lose their, some of the, lose out by having opposing fans there so I wonder if they'll they'll lose out because of the whole so the atmosphere cannot easily get pretty horrendous as, you mentioned what the atmosphere were doing like at half time after they were two down against us after like 10 minutes or whatever yeah, yeah. Five minutes, whatever it was. Yeah. So I, I wonder if being having fans will actually really affect them. Possibly. So. Yeah. What, what about the championship? Because I, I think West Brom have got to be considered. They came down last year. Valerian Ishmael, you know, I rate as a as a manager. Not sure I like his style necessarily, but he's effective. He's good. He got Barnsley into the into the playoffs. That's insane. Yeah. With greater tools to work with. I know he's he's fallen out with Pereira. They've, they've got, yeah, they've got a bit. Of, well, I, I don't think the club have fallen out with Pereira rather than him, haven't they? Rather than him, I think necessarily. Mm. I think Pereira wants to leave, but they the, there's been some issues around him and him and Johnston. Both obviously people thought they'd go, and they've not. No, they've not seen any any offers for them. So it's an interesting one, that I'm isn't it? I'm looking at the table here, and I don't see any obvious standouts this year. I think. I, I think Fulham are the obvious standouts. I think probably they spent money on Harry Wilson. They spent money on they, they brought in Gazaniga as a as a keeper from Tottenham. He's a pretty useful keeper who did pretty well when Loris was out a couple of years ago. When Loris got injured at the at the Amex, I think he did pretty pretty still well afterwards. They? Still got Mitrovic, although mm. they've still got Knockart as well. They've got Knockart back. Who? <laughs> <laughs> um, um, and they've got such good they've got such good depth. They've got like um, had a 
Adebayore, Bayore, or whatever who yes, was at Man City. Sure. They've got um, yeah, they've got some Tete who was a right back who's played for Holland at times. They've got Kenny in midfield again mm. who's still there. You know they've got some real quality there, and I I think they'll be the ones who'll stand out this yeah, season. Yeah, I mean it's wishy-washy teams. Look at it alphabetically. Barnsley, I think without Valeri and Ishmael, are not going to are not going to feature. Birmingham, I think, are wishy-washy year by year. Blackburn, Mowbray's doing a good job, but it's it's steadying. Job, isn't yeah, it? and whether they when I have Armstrong, of course, but in the window, yeah, exactly. I think I think a Premier League team will come in from at some point. I can't see Blackburn, uh, Blackpool, sorry, doing anything particular. Bournemouth, maybe. Bristol City, maybe. Cardiff, maybe. Bournemouth, you imagine, must have something to do because I don't think Parker would have gone there if he hadn't. Hmm. Considering he would have stayed at Fulham and probably taken them up. What about what about Cov? I don't think they'll be in the top 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 six, the but com- the they might be in the top half. They've had top a big, half, yeah. If they're back in Coventry now, it'll be a real boost for them. And they had a really good season last season, so... Derby. I mean, they've, they've got about five players, well, they might, yeah, they? have a, <laughs> pen- a potential, like, kind they of um, penalty, uh, point penalty as well. well. I must say, looking at this, Fulham do sound like a good bet. I think Fulham are probably the bet for the title. I just feel team wishy-washy. Hull have yeah. just come up. I think they'll have a good season, but it won't be that good. Yeah, we'll be in tr- are, we, are we keeping an eye on Hull for Ryan yeah. Longman? Yeah, uh, yes, of course, yeah, Ryan Longman. Luton, I think, will have a reasonable season. Middlesbrough might struggle. Millwall, mid-table, I reckon. I think Middlesbrough will do okay with, with Warnock. Yeah. I think oh, they, yeah, they'll always Warnock. be there or thereabout. He's, he's, yeah. a, he's a very effective manager. With, I'm going to say seventh or eighth. I think yeah, just so out. that's what I meant, there yeah. or thereabouts. Yeah. You know, kind of, they um, might creep into the playoffs. I'm not certain they'll go up automatically, but I, think Mill- I don't think they'll struggle. Millwall, I think, will be mid-table. Forrest probably will as well. Maybe they'll Houston step on. might end he up might doing... Do. He might do. Yeah, he obviously first with us, full season, isn't it? But then he brought a lot of players in with us. I don't think Forrest had done that, that, yeah. that quickly. But Peterborough, I mean, it'll be a step too far. I think they'll have a good season by their standards, but I can't see them survive. Yeah, I can't see, um, I can't see Peterborough getting promoted, but they might do OK, they might survive. Preston, I think, will be wishy-washy. QPR the same. Reading QPR Pro- have brought in some good players. Actually, Charlie Austin's there now, and there's a few quite interesting. They might be one who surprisingly kind of challenges the top six and gets in there. Mm, fair enough, maybe. Yeah, Reading, they're one of the few teams to actually bought any players in the top six. Reading never seem to go anywhere. Sheffield United, and they've they've lost the bulk of what they had. Haven't they? I think they've got a lot of players still. Though. They've not really lost that many players. They've not lost Ramsdale yet, even. Playoffs. Yeah, I think they'll get in the top six. And Yukanovic is a very good manager at that level. Yeah, Stoke. Stoke again. Uh, Neil did pretty well last year with them. Mm. Uh, what's his name? The uh, former Northern Ireland manager. Um, oh yeah, uh, Ma- uh, Michael O'Neill. Michael O'Neill. Yeah, yeah. He, he did a really good job with them at the end of the season. So I reckon he might do. They might do quite well. Yeah. They're, so, they're pretty overdue a running the playoffs anyway. Swansea, we hope so because they're likable and. Russell yeah. Martin's a I'm not sure they will. I think they've lost too many good players. and Maybe top 10. That'll be it, really. Yeah. And West Brom, I think, might be in with a chance. It's hard to call, isn't I it? I think Fulham are the, the standout. Gonna... I think I think the three promoted teams will all struggle. I think Peterborough, Harland and Blackpool will all be in the bottom six. Yeah. Whether they all go down. I think Blackpool will go down because it's, it is quite a big step up for them and they've been buying kind of mainly decent League One players. I might go Fulham, Bristol City and... Uh, West Brom with Sheffield United. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. Behind. I would never go Bristol City. They, they always have a good start, and they always fall away massively. One year, one um, year, Peter. Surely one year. They've been a prop flight, have they? So it's like it'd be interesting to see what happened. Yeah. I think Fulham will win it. I think that second will be a pretty even fight between quite a lot of teams, but maybe Bournemouth just about. Hmm. Bournemouth let go one or two of their players, like Dan Juma does go, and they they spend a bit of money. They'll probably they could do it. Maybe Billing might even go as well. They get they get some money and they can spend it. Yeah, playoffs. 
West Bronx, if an idea, maybe that sort of thing. You know, they could each of them could be interesting. I wonder if QPR might be a surprise package. You know, kind of get nick it somehow. It could be a good bet. For I, the think the, I think the bottom three, though. I think Blackpool will be bottom three. Yeah, I think Derby might well be because I think they are the ten point deduction probably, and I don't rate Rooney particularly oh. as a manager. He did a pretty didn't do a great a job mess, after all the fuss of the They've only got about nine players and he's injured one of them. Yeah. Bloody challenge for three and, months. And maybe Hull or maybe Peterborough. Peterborough probably actually to be honest. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, League One very briefly. AFC Wimbledon. Uh, League One has some interesting teams quite near the top. With Sunderland obviously has invested. We could have spent a bit of money at the top. Uh, Charlton have spent have invested a few bit a bit of money in the, in the, yeah. their team. So Wickham have all three the same of manager, them, they're, they're yeah. aren't they? Wickham have signed Sam Vokes this week, which is an interesting sign on that level. Apparently, Stoke fans hate him and or don't yeah. hate him, but don't rate him. Rotherham, and think he's terrible. But Rotherham, Rotherham are always up there in that division. Yeah, the um, and they were unlucky to go down last year. Sheffield in the end. Wednesday, oh bless their cotton yeah. socks. I think those six <laughs> will probably be quite near. What could well end up being the top Portsmouth six? Will miss out again, I'm think. gonna I'm gonna put my hand on the my my, my local kind of colours on the line and say Cheltenham are going to go up. Like it. We're going to Cheltenham. I we think on Tuesday. We are. Big hopefully, team. yeah. We're going I can if I can book tickets in the packed end home yeah. end. And I hope, I think, I think, I don't hope, I think Sunderland will go up because they can't continually Oxford, not go up. They're such, Morecambe, big, they're such a big club. Morecambe are not going up. <laughs> Oxford, what about Oxford? Morecambe are definitely not going Oxford are, are, are going to be in around the playoffs, I think, but they've lost a lot of few players, but they've gained a few quite decent ones as well. But I think, yeah, Charlton and Sunderland, I think, are the top two. I think we've missed out the team that I think are going to win the title or finish, finish second. No, I think they might be up there. Lincoln City. Yeah, I Lincoln have to say this. Two reasons. One, I believe it. Secondly, as is a regular listener, he's a Lincoln fan. <laughs> so I don't want to upset him. But no, I, I do think Lincoln I think whenever they missed are out, going places. They might not have a great start to the season after they missed out last year. And Yeah, who knows? We'll see. We'll see um, I, I like Lincoln. I, I hope they do well. I yeah. think Morecambe will be bottom by a distance because they're such a... They're frankly a club who are often at the bottom of League Two and they're now suddenly in League One, yeah, no, playing Sunderland and Portsmouth. I think and, their best bet is something like 16th, isn't it? Yeah, yeah I mean, they're not really, they're, they're going to go back, they're going to go back down. They lost their manager, they lost two or three of their best players. The, uh, the Pedro Go, Gomez, the camera's uh, mm. name is to, to Luton, yeah, yeah, and a few others, a couple of others as well have gone on free transfers who've been out of contract. Cambridge, I think, will go down, they've got no Mullen anymore, yeah, um, he's gone to, gone to Wrexham, which is. Bloody hell, that's a oh. statement, isn't it? From uh, Hollywood, Hollywood to, 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 to the Ooh, National League. the glamour. <laughs> Barnett have signed a lot of players, but they haven't signed a player from like your top scorer in League Two last season. All right, then never mind with the National League. Come on, there's only so much we could do. Right, I'm going to go League through two, League then. Two. Right, these are the teams alphabetically: Barrow, Bradford, Bristol Rovers, Carlisle, Colchester, Crawley, Exeter, Forest Green, Harrogate, uh, Hartlepool, newly promoted. Leighton Orient, Mansfield, Newport, Northampton, Oldham, Port Vale, Rochdale, Salford City, Scunthorpe United, Stevenage, Sutton United, of course, first time ever in the Football League, I think, Swindon, Tranmere and Walsall. What do you reckon there? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start by saying Bradford, possibly, uh, Forest Green, probably, and what's my other one I was going to say? Um, well, maybe Salford, and I think Sutton have an actual chance of going on a back-to-back because I don't think there's anybody who's as stand out as they should be in this division. And who knows? They're, they're changing surface, though, aren't they? That's the problem. Yeah. 
So I, I would say I think Bradford are probably my favourites for that division. Mm. They, they they nicked um, Derek Adams from Morecambe. Good signing. Yeah, good manager good and manager, yeah. Yeah. he's gone up from that division to with Plymouth and with Morecambe. Yeah. And maybe one maybe others as well. I don't know. I can't remember if like my other operations. They've got he's, big crowds behind They've got them. some they're good. Si- they've got some in. signings. They they they'll probably get the highest crowds in the league. They're the, they're the biggest clubs in the country in the, in the country in that in that league by distance. Mm. Um, I would say Bradford are a pretty not pretty close to like odds on for that division. They, you know, if they don't get it, they really they've done everything they can to do it. Yeah. Really, they've changed um, managers a lot. They've chopped and changed. Yeah. They've, they've now got a manager who's gone up. Probably shouldn't if do. They, if they get a manager now who's gone up at least twice in the last like five years, that division, and they don't go up, they probably have to look at something internally in the club that's wrong rather than yeah. the manager because. Derek Adams has done it for Plymouth and for Morecambe exactly. at that level. He's a good manager. So, he's a good lad. Uh, we'll see. He was the one who beat, didn't he when he went to Plymouth? He was like, beat Nathan Jones for the job, didn't he? Like, uh, yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see. Outside of that, to go up, I, I think, I think that um, Bristol Rovers will be there or thereabouts because they they will because they've got a quite a decent squad. Do you, do you think Zoe Bond can avoid a yeah, well, anybody I mean, for a whole season? Who knows where he'll be at the end of the season? <laughs> you know, prison. Allegedly, or uh, or playing Andrew Rovers right. or being sacked or whatever. Who's going down? Who's dropping? I, I think out Hartley Paul are going to struggle, but mainly because they've lost a few players. I think from the generally, uh, I think that Oldham are going to struggle possibly a bit. I think they've they've had a bit of a bad few years. Scunthorpe maybe as well because they're and now show me that higher up, lower up at the clubs. No, I think Stevenage will be okay. Russell's pointed to Stevenage at the moment. Mm. They had a good end to last season, and Alex, Alex Ravel, their manager. So, I'm kind of as a Brighton fan. Kind Warsaw of, will be okay. They've got Carl yeah. Rushworth on loan for the season. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. you go up the table. I might well see to remember, remember the names of the teams who are who are Barrow might struggle as well. They've lost their top scorer to Stockport, so uh, mm. it's a bit of a blow. I think they'll be okay, um, but I think they'll Crawley. I think always could struggle as well. Harrogate again, second season up, might struggle. Maybe. Um, I still think I think the, the likes of Exeter will be up there. In Colchester have taken a lot of Ipswich's players on. So they may want to do okay, actually, in the league. Speaking of um, Colchester, I think it's... Um, oh, I can't remember his name now. There's a guy who was at Colchester who signed for Peterborough. And he was at Worthing just a couple of seasons ago. Oh, I saw that today. I didn't, I didn't uh, realise he was at Worthing. Who or something like that. Talking of which, you see the, the main side for Worthing this summer. Dean Cox. Yeah. Woohoo! Tiny Cox. Five foot cops. Hopefully, if I just put it on the line, I really want Worthing to go up this year because they, they've been up top yes. both of those bloody last two seasons. Up the Rebels, they've, up had the like, they've had the target pull from under them. So I, yeah. I'm going to ha- put it on my table. I'm, there's no kind of like, I'm no like kind of like. Do you mean yeah. you're putting your cards on the yeah. table? Yeah. I want them to go up. I really just so want do them to I, go I, up. Yeah. Look, they deserve yeah, it. Yeah, deserve that. it. And also, screw anyone else in that league. You should let Worthing <laughs> go up. Fucking hell. Like, Stand they've aside, literally, let them walk They've literally like kind of gone up one season. Being on top of the league another season, and yeah, they literally. I mean, it was like the kind of the cycling today. They went the year they didn't go up. It was like the cycling today when they basically gave Denmark the win over Britain oh, because God. they kind of took out their wheel. Whatever. Worthing oh, were effectively in that situation that yeah, season. Exactly. Exactly. So on that note, I think we've covered everything, haven't we, Peter? Yeah. Any, any more to mention? No, Barnet to go up, despite the fact that Wrexham and Stockport yeah, yeah. throwing money at it. Barnet have signed a load of random players, so I think they're going to go up this year. Up, up with Borenwood second and getting playoff win. <laughs> We'll see, we'll see. And Hamburg for promotion. Oh, shut up. No, no, no. It's all about Werder Bremen and St Pauli this season. I'm, I'm afraid it's The Nord just... Derby back, at least, anyway. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, anyway, I think that covers it all. Um, we're going to probably do a bit of a special on the road next week, I think. So stay tuned for that one. At the Valley. 
Yep. We're also looking... We're going to do a special on the Amex. 10-year anniversary. Uh, If anyone's got any anecdotes and things like that they want to share with us... Any bollocks? We'd be happy to hear. Any crap? Wouldn't we? So tweet us, email us, you know the stuff. It's at BrightonRockPod. It's BrightonRockPodcast at gmail.com. If you know us personally, you can send us WhatsApp or text messages as well. Or abuse. Um, uh, and let's get some audio on because I want to do a compilation of uh, anecdotes, memories, reflections, thoughts on 10 years at the Amex. We're going to do that for our next one. It's been a very good 10 years, really. I mean, it's been pretty good. We've had one really bad season, haven't we? In effect, or t- half a season under Hewitt and a really bad one in the Premier League. And we've and, had a 3 0 and a 3 1 against Palace. Let's forget yeah. the other games against them. Uh, and and one twice, and, and one terrible season under Hoopier, and then with Hewton not doing that great afterwards. Absolutely. Other than that, it's been pretty yeah. much. And as the August amazing, strike, really. we started and finished the decade with dramatic comeback wins: Doncaster and Man City. Did does I it, mention that? Does ignore the Peter. Arsenal game. <laughs> Did I mention that? Does ignore the Arsenal game. Ignore that. Ignore that. Yes. I know it wasn't at the Amex, but it does kind of like <laughs> it was like technically the end of the decade. Yes. Yeah, all right. All right. Yeah, you mentioned it. The Man City game, yeah, yeah. Good, good. I'm glad you you heard that. So on that on that note, I think we'll we'll leave it for now. If you do want to get in touch, please do. If you want to rate us, please do. And Only in highly. The meantime, we'll be back next week with a special. Till then, Peter, stand or fall. Up the Albion. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.